0: Uh, thank you everybody for that Um, I do encourage you though as as we do get back into a much more worshipful uh, service as it were that you just um, pray uh, through the week of what you want uh, God to reveal to us what we need to hear uh, as a fellowship what we need to hear as believers Uh, pray that you will hear from the Holy Spirit as you study the word uh, and just help all of us uh, just to seek God's will for this place Uh, And I just uh, ask you uh, that you, where God prompts you to bring that, test it, and bring it to us, so we can all enjoy uh, the goodness of the Word as we come together. Okay, so let's let's have a look at this. There is, um, in case you haven't seen it, there is uh, there will be papers. There's uh, just a sheet, and I've emailed to many of you um, what the key themes are today. Um, The key themes, uh, really, as we look at Revelation, as we look at what this means for us. What does it mean for the church in particular? Because this is who it's written for. Uh, It's written for believers, and um, it will scare, and and in many ways, it will frighten non-believers. For us, it should be reassuring. Uh, And so I'm going to hopefully help, uh, certainly myself as I study it, but certainly help uh, everyone here. How do we read into Revelation what's the right way and keeping in context of what the Lord wants to reveal. So we're going to look at purpose. This is an introduction for today. Uh, what is the, the point of the book of Revelation? Who is it for? What is it about? The context, how do we understand the letters, visions, style of writing to correctly interpret the text? Uh, most of all, it's an assurance in obedience. How are the visions and prophecies something that can give us hope? and an assurance in the midst of what is coming for those who abide in Christ. And you see the key verses there uh, as we will look at these verses, but Revelation 1, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it into their heart, what is written in it, because the time is near. And Then we've, we're looking at uh, hopeful, not helpless. Uh, Revelation 1, verse 5, uh, part of that verse says, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen Amen, indeed. Let's quickly go through those verses in context. Great to pick out some verses, but now we want to look a bit more context. This is really covering a whole of Revelation 1, but those verses are to ground us. So we're looking at making sure we're rooted in the right place, when we look at this quite uh, colourful, as one person puts it, colourful vision of what is to come uh, in in these future times and what is in the present times. Revelation 1 uh, verses 1 to 6 says, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, uh, grace and peace to you from him who is and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his god and father to him be glory and power forever and ever amen that's great this is really exciting stuff as we look at this i've been looking at this for a few months actually uh, as we get into this i've been looking at this for a few months, what uh, and, and really helpful stuff online. Uh, more so than before, I would say, I, w- I would admit to you now, resources like Matt Chandler at the Village Church in the U.S., uh, David Pawson, a British theologian, uh, fantastic um, description of what Revelation is. Uh, and just so you know, those two people, theologically, are sometimes on, on a different end of the spectrum. So what we're trying to find is not that we're trying to go for one particular theological belief, but actually... We use those to try and find the right balance. What's the text say, uh, rather than what does one particular theologian say? So that's why we use multiple sources uh, when we're help, when we, when certainly when I as a, uh, a pastor am looking at how to teach the word, what's what other sources. But actually, we come back to the word and we say, what does the word actually say? Uh, I've been speaking specifically over the last few weeks about obedience. Uh, as an assistance to ab- obedience, we need to be, need to have revealed to us the urgency of the kingdom. Uh, and that's what this book does. And now in saying that, when I say that, we need to be careful not to go so far the other way that we only see revelation in like a linear fashion. And to be really careful that we're not just picking stuff out of what we see, which I'll get into, and going, oh, revelation's happening. Coronavirus, revelation's happening. Let's keep our heads... Because the text, the word, is what keeps us safe. Not people shouting and screaming about what's going on, but the text. We go back to the text. So what I mean by linear events? We, when we only see the book of Revelation uh, as a set of linear events, this is what we do. We start to find things in the present that look like a tiny bit, like something that appears in Revelation. And like I said, then we go, ah, It's coming. Here is what's happening. We had the COVID-19 jabs, didn't we? The the vaccine and people started saying, here it is. This is what they're doing. They're controlling us. Revelation is upon us. If you read Revelation, you need to be really careful here because when Revelation happens, I'm talking about the future part of Revelations, you will know it's happening to you. Let me be clear. You will know that the churches are under attack. You will know what is happening right now as one person puts it is your liberties might be under attack that's not the same thing your your freedoms in a democracy are not the same as freedoms in your 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 freedom to worship jesus your freedom to believe in jesus christ they're different things we need to keep grounded What's one of the rumours that the tiny robots have been injected into our arms? Crazy. The vaccine is a way of fulfilling another part of the revelation in Mark of the Beast, for instance. That somehow the injection is a mark of the beast. Guys, stick with the text. This is not what revelation is for. Like every book of the Bible, it is meant for the edification of the church. It is not there to instill fear you might say as you read the book there's some scary things in this book there is some very scary things in this book and you would be right But let me say this when you study the book of revelation like any other book you should have a sure and firm foundation in jesus christ The difference between Christians reading uh, this book and non-believers reading this book is stark. The difference is huge. I can only put it like this, I suppose. Non-believers might read this book, like the book of Nostradamus. Have you you seen this? The the Nostradamus prophecies, or whatever they call them, what will happen in the future? As in they take them out of context and they go, this is going to happen and that's going to happen, and then they try and look around them in the world, they try and match these things up and say, that must be fulfilling what the Bible said. For them, it's straightforward. Here is an image of the future laid out in a list of events. And what drives their revelation, of revelation, is this roller coaster ride of emotions. But we are to be firm, we are to be orderly. That's what the word is doing here. We are to be orderly in God. For those that don't believe, these things are about what they feel about what they read. It serves nothing for those that have not understood, at the very least, the truth in Jesus Christ and the obedience to that truth. For the Christian, the book is not to be used to preach from a street corner, simply using it to scare someone into a faith of fear. Rather, the revelation of Jesus is to bring people out of fear into a hope of Jesus Christ. The Christian that keeps tying the smallest and unfounded things we find in the world to particular verses because it looks like the same thing is misguided. But let me say this, there are realities here of things that will happen and in some respects may even be happening to a smaller degree. But it's not in the things you think is happening, just to confuse you even more. We often go to the things that we think it is, and I would definitely say we're probably wrong most of the time. Revelation is not a game of bingo. The book of Revelation is not a game of bingo where you circle verses against events you see in the world, that is dangerous and irresponsible. This is for our encouragement. It is made known to us because the time is near, says the Scriptures. Yet what has been revealed has already been won. And that's where our faith and assurance is. We read it because we're going to see these things happen but we, we, are, we are told here because we're, we don't wanna get lost in the detail. We're gonna see Jesus go through this and then he's gonna win because he's already won. The coming battle is coming. But for those who are not in Christ Jesus, fear will reign in their lives because they do not know the hope that is found in Jesus. For Christians, that hope is secure and the battle that happens here does not change that certain hope of faith we have in Jesus. No matter how bad it gets is what I'm... Here, let me sum this up. No matter how bad it gets to be a Christian, your assurance is assured. You are going to be with Jesus. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter how bad it gets here. This is for our revelation and our encouragement so that we know, wow, this is this some bad stuff happening. But you know what? We're going to be with Jesus, whatever happens, because we trust and believe in him. Those who do not believe in Jesus will be taken by the unfolding events and lost in the confusion of it. For Christians, it is almost to be spiritually detached from the unfolding events. Because we're attached to the gospel, we're attached to Jesus. Jesus. We are not to find hope in what is taking place around us, rather that our hope is anchored in the one who has gone ahead of us and already won the battle. Hebrews uh, 6, verses 19 to 20 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, forerunner, you know, the one that went before us has won the battle. All the same sort of language, Jesus has entered on our behalf. In the first half of our Acts series, we were looking at again and again the believers who were under intense persecution as they spread the gospel throughout the land. As we look at Revelation and we look at the letters, you will see much of the persecution of the churches, uh, of what they went through, of what they will go through, There's a a lot of imagery here, but there's also a warning to us as churches. Real persecution that Christians were hunted down, tortured and killed, and maybe acts is really just a taste of what was to come. Now, along with the letter to the churches, we also find that there is prophecy. And this prophecy is for now and for the future. I think a really helpful way to see this Uh, as I've been studying various sermons and commentaries, is as we go through the book, we follow, as as someone says, how it is written. Rather than reading it as a set of linear, time-based events that will happen in a particular order. Revelation is a really helpful book to learn how to remain contextual and true to the word so that we keep our heads and read and study the text for what it is. We are reading and studying over these next few, few weeks, probably more than a few, what John saw and what was written in the way that it was revealed to him. So above all else, one thing to remember as we study Revelation is that we are reading along with the text not bound or making it fit into a set of events. We start with Jesus telling John to write what he has been shown on the scroll and send it to the seven churches. Uh, this is the verses later on after the main focus in our reading of Revelation 1, to 9-11. John, your brother, companion in the suffering and kingdom, uh, patient endurance that ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And here we go with the words, uh, the names of the seven churches, which said, write on the scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Ephesus, uh, actually that is so far away, I can't read that, sorry. Uh, Ephesus, uh, Samana, Pergamon you practice all this, it's nothing. Uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and and Laodicea. what strange names for churches. Are anyway, but after seeing this, uh, Jesus, uh, and realizing it, uh, after he realizes that it's Jesus himself, Jesus then says this, which is a very important and I think fundamental context uh, for this whole study and this whole book. Verse nineteen says this, right. Therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. A really important fundamental verse to keep in our heads as we go forward and study this book. Jesus has been very particular about the way he wants John to write this book. How we should take it in. And so this is important because we have to carefully appraise how and when to apply each chapter of this book. So we avoid both abusing the text and not being misled by others who abuse the text. An example of this uh, text is uh, is abused in founding how so-called teachers are claiming that coronavirus is the breaking of the fourth seal in regards to pestilence. You will know just from uh, the news that there have been many more horrible viruses in the history of this planet Coronavirus is not new in that sense. But there are many that say this is the fourth seal broken. This is it. This is what's happening. It's all going to fall apart. Coronavirus is not the first one that these so-called teachers have used to claim that particular prophecy in Revelation. Jehovah Witnesses take Revelation 7 verse 4 to be read as only 144,000 people are going to heaven. Uh, That's on here, Uh, Revelation 7, verse 4. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all tribes of Israel. Uh, When you read that in context, if that was the case, it is only going to be people who are of particular tribes. And male virgins, by the way, as well. You see how easy these things can be taken out of context when they're just that must mean how many people are going to heaven. It isn't. It's a particular moment of a particular vision of a particular time that Jesus wants John to see. So what is it? Why is it that he shows in this particular one and many others? Well, most of the book of Revelation is what is known as apocalyptic language. And it was common among the Hebrew writers of the time uh, of the writing of the New Testament. Outside of Revelation, many people say this, and it seems to make sense to me. Examples of apocalyptic literature in the Bible are Daniel, uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, I've got the chapters here, uh, Zechariah. They all have apocalyptic writing. That is to say that it's, it's, it's an imagery, it's what God is showing us. Now, whether that happens in certain times and certain places, that's for God. That will happen when it's time. But in the book of Revelation, all these prophecies are brought together. See, so you have to be careful, because actually they come from other parts of the Bible as well. So You have to be really careful how we read Revelation. With most types of writing, the reader is to take statements literally, unless the context demands a symbolic interpretation. So we take it literally, unless the word says this is symbolic. There is uh, imagery, as it were. In apocalyptic writing, the reader is to take things figuratively, unless the context demands a literal interpretation. See, so Revelation in particular is not, and Daniel and those other books, are simply not a case of just reading out and going, here's what's going to happen. They're very carefully written and and, quite, and and need study. They require you to study them, which is why we can't just jump in and say, ah, oh, look, that looks like the coronavirus. This looks like the Spanish flu. This reckless. It is irresponsible for us to do that. So as I said, if we were to take Revelation 7, verse 4, even to 8, literally, then only male virgins from the 12 tribes of Israel would be in heaven. See, context, and that's only because we just expanded four more verses. Do you see how easy it is if you take one verse out of context? Add four more verses, you've got a context. You know why that's being written. But let me say this whilst apocalyptic writings are figurative, they are no less true about what they reveal. Uh, this uh, good description here, just generally of what Revelations is, can be found in Got Questions. And it was, it was just a useful description. It says here uh, Revelation is lavish in colorful descriptions of the visions which proclaim for us the last days before Christ's return and the ushering in of the new heaven and new earth. The revelation begins with letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, then goes on to reveal the series of devastations poured out upon the earth, the mark of the beast, 666, the climactic battle of Armageddon, the binding of Satan, the reign of the Lord, the great white throne judgment, and the nature of the eternal city of God. Prophecies concerning Jesus Christ are fulfilled, and a concluding call to his lordship assures us that he will soon return. That is a summary of the book of Revelation. Imagery in visions that are translated and rightly interpreted are for very real reality in the coming battle. What imagery does is to help us understand things that are difficult to convey in words. What John is showing in the visions is is what is happening and going to happen, but because of who it comes from and the weight of importance of it, God uses that imagery to help us understand both mindfully and spiritually. I take a recent example of the wrong use of imagery. You would have seen cars queuing at petrol stations. Isn't it weird how the words don't match the image? They say, "Don't panic, don't worry. There's no, f- there's there's plenty of fuel." And what they show is people queuing for petrol. Just take that in for a second, because what they're doing is they're detaching the reality from what you're, what they're showing you. And they're saying, see this, because imagery is more powerful than what you hear. There's almost like a little deception going on there. It's often, it happens very often in advertising. Because imagery is much more powerful than reading some words. So just think about it. When you see the next news item that, that will no doubt show more queuing, they're going to show queuing from five days ago and queuing from ten days ago. Because there's just that, it's just that we feed on it. We feed on this need to see stuff. Why is the Bible different then in the way it uses imagery? The Bible is written on paper. There's no, there's a film, there's TV, a series, whatever you want to call it, but the Bible is on text, is on paper. So here's where we keep imagery in line with text. When we read it, we're being shown extreme imagery, but at the same time, we're reading the Bible. We keep it, God's keeping us within a context, within a safe space, so that when we're not, whilst we're not watching films of the end times and instead of reading the scripture, imagery and text work in the right way together. I know many of I say many of you, some of you are fans of some of these apocalyptic films, uh, of the Revelation-type films, um, and that's all fine, that's okay. Uh, You just need to be very careful. I just warn you, you need to be very careful about what they're showing you. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean they're right. There is much interpretation in those types of TV shows and films, so just be sure that when you see something and go, let me check the text. Is that really gonna happen? I'm not saying don't watch it, I'm saying anchor yourself in the word when you watch these things. Imagery is powerful. But it is useful to get a long message over quickly. For instance, advertising is 30 seconds of colorful, fast-moving imagery to deliver a longer message about a product as well as to embed it in our minds to provide us an association with it when we see it. I'm saying, just think about what you see. Think about what goes, is being fed into our minds. And so, as I said, the difference is that God uses this perfectly for our actual benefit and encouragement in the sure hope of the one to come in Jesus Christ. Advertising Uh, blinds us and subdues us with only words and imagery that actually mean nothing except to get you to buy something and believe in something that's not really useful for you. But when we read Revelation, whilst there is lots of imagery in the prophecies, we are still required to understand that behind that imagery is a very real battle that is both here and coming. This is what divides us as Christians who will, within reason, be able to see the battle for what it is versus those who will be in confusion and fear of what is happening at the time. Revelation is actually going to help us to not lose our minds over what is to come. It is to give us a peace. Read it right to the end, church. Don't pick up things in the middle and go, because you will be scared. Read the whole book right to the end and you will know who the winner is. As a spoiler alert, Jesus wins. I'm sorry I spoiled it for you. Jesus does win. I'm sorry, the the spoiler, I had to tell the spoiler. The verses of our reading set the context and attitude by which we are to receive the whole of this book. Verse three says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Read aloud, hear it, take it to heart what is written. We cannot be ready for what is to come unless we read the words, hear it, and take it to heart. Again goes on to say, to him who loves us, has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory, and power forever and ever amen amen indeed why do i keep repeating these verses because these need to stick in your head these need to stick in my head as we study the book of revelation it's so important that this is a revelation of the winning battle the final bit that's already done we have been freed in christ jesus so as we read this book there's no more need to worry about what you will read because we have faith in Jesus Christ, who is the winner of the book. The end of the story, as it were. This section of verses end with a reality that we need to set our feet in. Uh, I was looking up; um, it suddenly just came to me about boxing. You know, there's a certain way of standing when you box. Uh, it's very, as a, it's a very particular way of standing. I did have, I don't have a picture of it. I was going to get one, um, but it's quite close in and one foot forward, one foot slightly back. And and the design of it is that it's meant to stop you from being easily knocked off your feet. Whether side to side, backwards or forwards, there's a certain position you stand in to stop yourself being easily knocked over. So it is with the word. We sit squarely ready to hear what God is saying. So we are stable and ready to trust in him. To know that he who loves and has freed us from our sins made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve God and know that all uh, that is for his glory and power forever. This is the stance we take as we begin to study and learn about the purpose of Revelation. Revelation is not to be taken out of context on its own as a separate book of worldly prophecy. But we read and study from a position of salvation. Of salvation and faith, only found in Jesus Christ through the entire Word of God. The only way to receive this book right and true is to be obedient to Jesus. That obedience will anchor us and keep us calm as we go through and study this book, right up until Christmas. It's amazing if you read the last. The last of our study is actually on the Sunday before Christmas, and it's Revelation twenty-two. Wow, that's some Christmas sermon. But isn't it great if you read Revelation twenty-two, you will see that actually that is very much about the birth and the plan and the destination of what Jesus was going to do all along. It's amazing. Skip to the end if you like on that one. Revelation twenty-two is a great encouragement for all of us. And let me finish on these verses because I think this is this will help us as we just try and get our heads around, get our heads ready, our hearts ready to engage with the text. Uh, this is in 2 Corinthians 10, to 5, and it says, "'For though we live in the world, "'we do not wage war as the world does. "'The weapons we fight with "'are not the weapons of the world. "'On the contrary, they have divine power "'to demolish strongholds. "'We demolish arguments and every pretension "'that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, "'and we take captive every thought "'to make it obedient to Christ.'" We are, church, to be different than to those running around with their hair on fire. We need to be assured and calm in the times that we will hear about in this revelation. So, as I pray now, let me tell you this again and again Jesus wins. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you that you uh, have given us this text, maybe in particular. Lord, that despite all its, or um, well, what is to come, that the, the colourful descriptions of what is to, what is to come for those who believe in you, uh, Lord, it is to reveal that everything is in the hands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That everything, as the Scripture says, is at His feet. All authorities, all rulers, kingdoms of the world, as it were, they are at His feet. No one can outdo the authority of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we just want to come back to that, maybe that first love of just understanding that Jesus is Lord, that I don't have to panic. I don't, I don't have to stress myself out of what goes on around us. Uh, Lord, thank you that you're in your grace, that we do kind of lose it sometimes. Uh, and Lord, we're human, and we do do that. We do just get a little bit carried away oh, but Lord, I pray that we'll continue to come back to the word in those moments, that we'll come to understand that it is more than just what's going to happen in the future. It is to reassure the church that Jesus is coming back for his bride and that whatever happens in between that time, it is all for the plan of God so that Jesus will reign and that we will be with him. Lord, just pray now, Lord, as we go through these next uh, 12 sessions, Lord, that you will speak to us rightly through the word, through your Holy Spirit, uh, reveal some questions, some things in us that we haven't really looked at before, some things we haven't explored before, maybe of our own faith, maybe uh, of what we see and know about Jesus. Lord, thank you for the word that is not just about receiving in a comfortable armchair. It's to to make us sit up and notice. Make us think about the faith we have, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, pray that you you just take us forward in your Holy Spirit as we look at your text, look at the, the text that was inspired by you, written by men, shown to John by Jesus. Thank you that the revelation of this word is true. Thank you that it is powerful. Thank you that it changes lives. Thank you that it changes our and changed our lives. We pray, Lord, to you that you will do the work that is needed to write us in the word and to make us strong in the faith. We lift all these things to you, Lord, and we praise you as we we worship you, Lord, in this time. We thank you for Jesus Christ, salvation of our Lord. Amen.